today on It's Time. We have a big lost world. God has called us to be salt and light. We might just give them a little bit of light so they can see which way to go. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. child. (laughs) I don't want them to have any fun. (laughs) Is that the way God is? I'm going to make your life miserable. (laughs) No. That's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think when you become born again, you take 10 of the things you like to do the best and 10 of the things you have to do the worst. And when you become born again, you switch them. That's not what Christianity is. What Christianity is, is our eyes being open to the reality of life and that what we oftentimes call fun and the Bible declares is sin, we see why it is sin. Look at the devil's handiwork in people that don't know Christ. The alcoholics, the drug addicts, the broken homes, the kids with no parents, You can see the devil's handiwork everywhere. It's pretty obvious. If following after those desires led to a good lifestyle, I would say, well, then it's not sin. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Those things that bring joy in your life that don't lead to destruction, that's the blessings of God. But the problem is the devil knows how to candy dip a hook and everybody bites on it unless you see through the eyes of Christ. That's what the difference is. That's why just becoming born again isn't just, uh, becoming born again isn't just uh, um, life insurance in heaven. But it's how to live every day and keep from getting our hearts and lives ripped off. You know, when you're all burdened with the problems of living after biting into so many Satan candy-coated hooks... It's pretty hard to be a blessing to somebody else and even to yourself because you've got so many problems. You've reaped such a manifold of sin in your life and you're going, God, I got to get out of this. And again, as I shared this when we first started, God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. God has a way of rebuilding us, but I've got to want that. And I got to quit biting on the candy coated Satan hooks that are out there. Oh, you know it'll taste good. You know it looks good. Duh, yeah, it sure does. And then we put on our Holy Ghost S-O-N glasses. And we go, whoa, there's a big old hook in that. Yeah, exactly. God's S-O-N X-ray goggles. We put them on and we see. That's why the Bible says, without Christ, we walk in darkness and we stumble. But when we accept Christ as our Savior, God begins to impart to us his wisdom. We have our father's, our daddy's eyes. 
And when we see things the way God sees things, we go, well, that that ain't never going to work. And if you haven't been there and done that and got the scars to prove it, God will tell you that's going to leave a mark. Now, God forgives those marks. But let me tell you, it's like taking a beautiful oak table in your living room. You know, those real pretty ones. And taking and driving a big old nail in Well, you can take a claw hammer and pull the nail out, and that's what God does. He pulls the, the nail out of our, of our life. But there's a hole there. And yeah, God does some really supernatural things to make that hole not so bad. But you're better off to have never done the sin in the first place. There's a lot of people who've taken a stride from the master's side and found their life really messed up and sometimes damaged for the rest of their life here on this earth. Now, does God use those experiences? Does he heal those? Yeah, because you can use that, ext- that illustration that happened to you in sharing with your faith to other people as well. But we want to be careful of that. So he says, they're going to really walk away from the Lord against Christ. Verse 11 again, desiring to marry, and they're literally outside of Christ, having condemnation because they cast off their first faith. I believe that is speaking of their relationship with God, their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying which things they ought not. So then he goes on what we just read. Therefore, I desire younger women, marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. Wow. Don't let that ever happen to any of us. Uh, maintenance our relationship with God. How important that is. And if any believing man or woman has widows, let him relieve them and do not let the church be burdened that they may relieve those who are really widows. In other words, show your benevolence. If you have relationships with, with these different people and you know you need to help them, help them so the church doesn't have to do it. But if there is no one there to help them, then he's saying the church needs to do that. See, God's got it all figured out how it works. When we get out of his plan, it doesn't work. So he says, verse 17, let elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says you will not muzzle out the ox which treads out the grain and a laborer is worthy of his wages, as Jesus said. Now, as we look at that, we realize that, yeah, there's certain things in the way the church works, and that's what we do. And he says, do not receive accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all and the rest, so the rest may fear. By the way, if I heard it said one time, if, if that would be the case, probably church wouldn't be very big. Because we offend in all, some of us. That's why the Bible says, you who are spiritual, go restore such a person. It isn't pointing out the sin or look what they did. It's what am I going to do to help restore this person? Anybody can find fault with anybody else. All, 
I saw brother such and such, and he didn't signal when he was turning right. Oh, there's people who will get offended over anything. I, I, I'm amazed. Um, you're not bald like our last pastor was. Or, you know, it's amazing what people will say that they'll be offended by. Well, I was in a supermarket. You walked right past me and didn't even say hi. Um, well, if that's me, I'm, I'm probably surfing in a Y someplace walking down the aisle. Um, sometimes you just do that. You just zone out. You don't do it on purpose. You just do. Well, here's the thing. We want to be careful when we do that because the Bible says first considering ourselves. I think it's really important that we want to look at that and make sure, you know, and I've had somebody say, well, I'm going to this person because of this particular sin he's doing. Now, I'm not guilty of that sin. No, but you're guilty of a bunch of other ones. And that's a real problem. You don't want that person that you are trying to correct to look at you and say, well, what about your drinking habit? Oh, he's got to be real careful. You see, we're all in this together. We pray for one another. We exhort one another. That's what the family... Church is not Costco with a cross. It's not Christians on parade. It's a place where brothers and sisters in the Lord come together and help one another do what we're supposed to do. We have a big, lost world out there. Unfortunately, many churches, their only ministries are what blesses them. Well, this church is a lot different. Yeah, we have ministries that bless the body, but our focus is the world. We got a big lost America out here. I don't know if you've noticed how lost America is. And if you haven't noticed, turn your TV on at night. On oh, second thought, don't do that. But if you have, you see how decadent our society has become. It's tragic. Friends, you, you know, um, on, on our church bulletins, we used to have, and if I can find it, I'll reprint it. I don't know if we still have that one anymore. But what it was, it was a picture of the Hollywood Hills with the word Hollywood up above. And then it had Hollywood with the, you know, the searchlights, you know, just like you'd see at an Academy Award or something. But then down below, we printed on it, they lied to us. And they have, and they still do. And they're not going to stop. We have a big lost world. God has called us to be salt and light. That means we're going to be effectual and interjected into a society that hates us with the idea that maybe, maybe we might just salt up their life a little bit. We might just give them a little bit of light so they can see which way to go. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may also fear. And again, this is when a person has not in any way changed their way. I, I don't, and, and, and I've only had to do this a couple times. In, 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 well, next year we have been at church 40 years. And in 40 years, I've, I, I've only had to do this a couple times. And, and it's, it's not a good thing, but it was, one of them was where this guy was just going around and borrowing money from everybody in church. And uh, once he got money from you, he wouldn't go back to you. He'd go to somebody else. And so all these people start going, hey, hey, this guy keeps hitting me up for money. This guy keeps hitting me up. This guy keeps hitting me up. Wait a minute here. So I went to him and talked to him. Don't do that anymore. He kept doing it. Till finally I had to say, don't give Bill any more money. 
That's pretty hard. You have to do it because you have to protect those that you love. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. In other words, we can't say, well, I don't like that guy or that girl, so I'm going to really be hard on them. We want to be gracious to everyone. But we also want to remember that we have a family and we want to protect the family. We want to protect the family. You know what I'm saying? We want to take care of the body of Christ as if Jesus was here. And unfortunately, sometimes, sometimes there are people that come in to work the system. That's what Paul is talking about here. And it can come in many different ways. It can come through somebody that's full of deceit. It can even come as a widow who, when they get the money, go out and party down. And you can see that sometimes, well, even older women can be that way. Uh, Older men can be that way. Young people can be that way. So we need to be sensitive to what God has for us. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily. Share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Don't get involved in somebody else's mess. Um, I think it was uh, Monroe and the Monroe Doctrine. Years ago, one of our presidents. He said, beware of foreign entanglements. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you need to be careful of that, too. Don't, don't let their sin get all over you. And the other thing it says is it says... Don't lay hands on anybody quickly. Uh, This is really good, and everybody should learn this because of this reason. Um, Authority is easy to give, but it's hard to take back. And what it talks about laying hands on somebody suddenly is that, well, we got to get this position filled, and so here, 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 you, 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 you just do it. Well, the problem with that is that you might have a lot of second chances. You see, a lot of times people's position goes to their head. It happens that way in the church. And, and, and you'll see that pretty soon they're ordering everybody around and demanding big salaries and all these kinds of things. But that's not really what God wants. Again, lay hands on no person suddenly or quickly. The, the way that uh, the early church would send out people or ordain a pastor for a church or whatever, is they would come up and have people lay hands on them and pray over them. The laying on of hands was the transfer, you might say, of authority. Um, I've had actually people read this talking about getting in a fight, lay hands on no one hastily. That's not what it's talking about. But you could apply it maybe. But the point is, is that it's about transfer of, of leadership. Well, again, that can be in your company. Uh, that can be uh, in anything. You want to be real careful because authority is easy to give. It's hard to take back. So you want to be very, very careful when you do that. Don't lay hands on anyone quickly or share in other people's sin. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink wine, uh, water only. Paul is writing to Timothy, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Really important. <clears throat> The uh, positive confession doctrine does not fit here. You know, well, the reason you're sick is there's sin in your life. Paul didn't say, well, Timothy, now you need to get that sin out of your life so you won't have to be drinking some wine and your other, for your stomach and your other infirmities. 
Or uh, you've had a negative confession of faith and therefore that's why you're sick. No, he doesn't say that either. He just recognizes that living in a world that's under the curse, living our bodies that are under the curse, and by the way, they are, friends, that's why we get a brand new one. When we go to be with the Lord, we're going to get a brand new body. He said, your other infirmities. So I have to look at that and realize that, is it possible that Christians get sick? According to Paul, without something being wrong with them, like a negative confession of faith, or that they have sin in their life, or whatever, absolutely, the answer is yes. There, he simply said, hey, drink some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities. Now, that's not an excuse to drink. But it is, and again, with dysentery rampant in those days, uh, fresh drinking water was a scarcity. That's why he writes this. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Some sins aren't evident. That's why Jesus warned, and he said, don't judge according to the appearance of anything, but when you judge, judge a righteous judgment. Some people's sins are evident, and some people's aren't. And it doesn't mean because one person's sins are not evident that that person may or may not be any more right with God than somebody's that are. Somebody said one time to me years ago, they said, everybody wrestles in the sins of their past. That's why it's best not to sin. That's why to listen to what God's word says. That way you don't find yourself getting beat up and living your life in the wish of would-haves. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evidence, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. You know, eventually, as the Bible says, Everything we do is going to be made manifest. You know, uh, all Christians will stand in the judgment seat of Christ. Not in that what you did wrong, but for what you did right. Jesus took the things we did wrong on the cross, okay? And when we stand before the, that's why the Bible says we will all stand before the bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ. That's a reward. And uh, you might get a call on a lawyer and and the lawyer might say, hey, Uncle Fred died. Uh, Come on down here. There's been a judgment made in your favor. And you go down and you find that he included you in your will. That judgment is towards you. God, the judge gives you what is coming to you. The estate gives you what's coming to you. God's made a judgment towards you to give you for the things that done. The Bible says even a cup of cold water in its name bear a reward. God sees it all. The point simply is this. We as Christians, you have gifts inside of you. God's good. Use your gift to bless others, to encourage the body. There can be, as Paul wrote here, those that come in to use the system. Don't let that chase you away from church. Because we all have something to contribute. And when others are blessed, you're blessed, and in heaven will be our great reward. If you're not a Christian here this morning, then you will find yourself falling over every lie that the devil puts out there for you. He knows how to make a lie look just like truth. He knows how to wrap it. We buy into it, and then we find the destruction that it does in our life. I just want to encourage you today, if you find yourself that way, repent. Accept Jesus as your Savior. That's why he died on the cross. He paid a debt we couldn't pay. You couldn't pay. I couldn't pay. And he gave us life and life abundantly. We wrap ourselves, the Bible says, in his righteousness. If you've never, ever received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray right now. And those that are listening on the internet, around the world, on on CSN and all, we just want to invite you to pray. And let God change your life. 
begins with a prayer. God shows you your whole life is goodness. God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. God is the master of builder. And thereby we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. Daddy knows how to fix things. And he knows how to fix the things in your life. You say, but nobody understands how bad things are in my life. God does and God will fix them. That's good. That's good. I like that. God can fix anything. What do you need him to fix in your life today? Well, first of all, are you his kid? I use that illustration a lot. Happens a lot at Christmas. But it's like, imagine this kid coming up to you, pulling on your pant like, Mister, buy me that bicycle over there. Or I don't even know who you are. <laughs> if it's your own kid, don't ever say that. <laughs> Mister, buy me that bicycle over there. I don't know who you are. You, you might ride out in front of a bus and get killed or something. I don't know who you are. But if your own child came up and pulled on your pant and said, Daddy, would you buy me a bicycle? And providing they're old enough they can handle it and you're going to be there to help them learn how to ride and everything, you'd say, well, honey, yeah, maybe I can do that for you at Christmas or on your birthday. Or just because I love you, I'll buy you that. When you're God's kid, you can petition God. When you're not his kid, you, the Bible say, are illegitimate. You're outside the family of God. But Jesus came to reconcile us. If you need to get reconciled this morning, if you need to be adopted, pray this in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I know I've sinned. And I've offended you. And I ask you to forgive me. And I repent of the silly way I've lived. So from this day forward, I want my life to be about you. I want my life to to represent your love on this earth. And so forgive my sins. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, those gifts that we heard about today, I want those, whatever you want to give me, so I can be a blessing to you and to others in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that, welcome to God's family. Start reading your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 3, and just read. Let God do something new in your life. Begins with a prayer. God shows you your whole life is love. And I just want to encourage you today. Let God bless you. Put yourself in the place where God can bless you. He will bless you. That's what he promises. And so this morning, if you have a need in your life, Maybe you prayed and asked God into your life. Maybe you want to thank the Lord for something that he's done for you. Maybe something coming up in the, in, the, in the future you just need prayer for. We take the time at the end of the service to pray for one another, to see what God will do. And so I just want to invite you this morning to let God do that. Father, for every person that said yes to you today, I just pray that you would do something brand new in their life this day that they would understand your greatness. And Lord, that you don't have favorites. And just as we read, that we are not to have partiality or prejudice. God, you don't either. You love us all the same. And what you've done for others, you'll do for me and you'll do for them. And so, God, we just ask you now for your love, your work in our lives. And Father, that we would remember that you have an order for all things to be done. And that we can apply these things, not only in church, but in every aspect of our life, in our business life, in our home life. 
And in just the way we see other people, Father, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and remind us of your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.